Welcome to Godable, a daily reading of holy texts known in the Unificationist community as Hundoke. Today we are reading from the Pyeonghwa Gyeong. Pyeonghwa Gyeong, Book 2 God's Homeland and the Peace Kingdom Heaven's will begins on earth. God must fulfill the purpose of his providence on earth without fail. What will be the result? God will save all the people of the world and reign over them as parents do over their children. God's will and providence have yearned for this. If you die without restoring a nation on earth during your lifetime, you will not attain the value of a true person belonging to the heavenly kingdom. You need to go to the spirit world on the foundation of having lived under the reign of God while on earth. That is the original standard, which God has upheld since the time of the creation. Dear members, to this day I have lived without any interest in worldly things. My lifelong desire is summed up in the following statements. Let me die in the kingdom that God protects. If I fail to live in that kingdom, my entire life will be miserable. Therefore, I will seek that kingdom and live there even if only for one day before I die. I have walked this path with the heart to sacrifice thousands of days for the sake of that one day. I am marching forward, even while you have been resting unaware. If you do not rise up, I will have to mobilize people from other nations to accomplish this purpose. If this nation does not move to achieve it, I will have to resort to bringing in many members from abroad. No matter the cost, we cannot fail on the heavenly path to bring the fruits of the age of Chanelguk. There can no longer be any compromise, delay or extension due to Satan's interference. The literal completion and conclusion of God's providence has to take place in my lifetime. We are on the final leg of God's providence to fully establish the peace kingdom, which is the ideal that God has pursued since the time of creation. Think about the unfortunate situation of a people without a nation. They are always exposed to aggression. Helpless to defend themselves, they are subject to repeated attacks. Where can we find the kingdom that God desires? Where can we find the kingdom that can become God's resting place? This is the question. The reason we shed our blood and sweat for the people of this nation is ultimately to establish the eternal heavenly kingdom. In that kingdom, there will be prosperity for all. Countless generations to come will sing its praises even unto eternity. The children of God's direct lineage, those who uphold heaven's laws and commands, will rule the heavenly kingdom. They will rule on behalf of God representing his kingship. The kingdom's political system will transcend both democracy and communism. Once established, it will endure forever. Considering these things, isn't it shameful that you have not yet become citizens of that kingdom? You ought to lament that we do not yet have such a kingdom. You must deeply regret that you are not yet able to live there. We all need to repent for not having established that unchanging sovereignty. In order to establish such a sovereignty, nation and territory, God established predecessor sovereign nations. We are well aware that along the way a great many people have died. Countless nations have perished. Myriads of people have been sacrificed and numerous sovereignties come and gone. Among those who were sacrificed for the heavenly cause were many souls on the side of heaven who no doubt yearned for the establishment of that kingdom and world. We know that Satan, not God, came to dominate history after our first ancestors fell. Originally, God was to have been the master of this world. The children of God's direct lineage, having matured through a relationship of love with God, would have formed a true family. 
If this family had been established, the tribes, nations, and world descended from that family would have constituted a world under God's dominion, a nation under God's dominion, families under God's dominion, and individuals under God's dominion. Nonetheless, you need to understand that because of the human fall, everyone from individuals to families, tribes, peoples, nations, and the world came to oppose God. This is our fallen world and fallen history. If we leave this world as it is, we can never achieve the eternal world of true love based on the ideal of creation that God originally sought to establish. God can only restore His original authority by fulfilling the ideal He originally intended at the time of creation. Therefore, God set this ideal as the standard by which He would put this evil world into order and lead it to become a true world. This has been God's providence in dealing with the fallen world. Today, there are more than 200 nations throughout the world belonging to the fallen sovereignty. Among such an array of nations, not one of them qualifies as a nation fulfilling God's hope. Unbeknown to humankind, God has been conducting His providence through history to establish one nation that could fulfill His will. He created Adam and raised him toward perfection in the hope that through that one individual, He could establish a heavenly sovereignty in the family, society, nation, and world. Yet, due to the fall of that one man, Adam, history shattered into countless pieces. The history of the providence of salvation has been about restoring order and reconnecting the pieces. Since Adam was the first ancestor of the human race, losing him was tantamount to losing all humanity. To restore what had been lost, God had to call and raise other individuals. Each individual whom God called had to be willing to leave his or her tribe, people, and nation in Satan's world. He or she had to become a true person who could give even their life for God's will. Jesus and the Central Figures of Providential History Dear Members, all religions ultimately share in common the goal of realizing God's will. As an example, let us look at the familiar history of Judaism and Christianity. Noah belonged to a tribe, yet he was not attached to it. He belonged to a nation, yet he put aside his concern for it. Instead, he sought the nation of hope on his own. Noah went through all manner of trials and adversity in seeking and trying to establish that nation. Although Noah had relatives and belonged to a certain people, of greater importance to him was his pursuit of God's kingdom. God desired that Noah overcome his individual circumstances and seek his kingdom and his righteousness. How great were the difficulties Noah faced in surmounting that course of 120 years, as season followed season without a day's rest. Unsupported even by his family and in the face of all the slings and arrows that beset him, Noah persevered all those years. He clearly understood the principle that if he yearned more for eating and drinking than for God's kingdom and his righteousness, he would have to pay a heavy price. God found Abraham and Sarah, led them to leave Ur of the Chaldeans, and then asked them to leave Haran. They journeyed to Canaan and then to Egypt with a heart of unconditional faith and obedience, not knowing where they were to live. When the Pharaoh took Sarah away, she did not bear resentment toward Abraham, nor did she betray him. In this way, their hearts were unchanging as they headed toward the nation of hope, even amid severe persecution. Let us take Jacob as another example. He believed in the blessings God gave him, and he believed in God's promise of a nation and people of hope. Nobody could bend his firm conviction. Through him, God's will expanded from an individual to a family to twelve tribes. From them, prophets would come forth, raising the banner of hope before the world. What kind of life did Jesus lead? 
facing the disbelief of the people and persecution from the religious leadership, Jesus lived as a wanderer. In the end, he perished on the cross, making himself a sacrifice. Yet, not even this could fulfill God's hope to save humankind both in spirit and flesh. The Messiah comes with the mission of breaking down all the walls in heaven and on earth and creating a unified world. God's will is to establish a nation whose philosophy accords with the heavenly principles, transcending all the nations of the fallen world. When God created Adam, his desire was not just to dwell within Adam as an individual. It was to establish a family, tribe, people, nation, and world through Adam. As the Messiah and second Adam, Jesus tried desperately to establish such a nation in Israel, yet he could not due to the people's disbelief. The consequences for Israel were tragic. Hence, at the second advent, the Lord comes with the responsibility to become a perfect Adam and complete the mission of the Messiah. Once he becomes the perfect Adam, he is responsible to complete a family, tribe, people, nation, and world in keeping with the role of the true Adam. Time and again in history, God sent central figures to earth and worked through them to establish one absolute nation. Yet time after time, the people were unable to succeed. Nevertheless, the history of restoration continues as God endeavors to find righteous people. He seeks people through whom he can administer, advance, and fulfill this task. We must therefore be grateful to God, even if he has to sacrifice each of us, and even if he has to sacrifice our families, tribes, peoples, and nations. Only when individuals and nations of righteousness emerge can a new world come into being. It does not matter how much individuals have sacrificed in the past. Until God's nation is established, sacrifices on the part of individuals and even of families, tribes, peoples, nations, and the world will have to continue. Tune in tomorrow for the end of the speech on the restoration of our true God's homeland. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Godable. Godable is brought to you by the National Victory Fund and support from listeners like you. To donate, visit godable.org. Thank you.